all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. <laughs> I'm David. I'm Rachel. And this is all bad things. And once again, yes. It's a reverse bad thing. Of course, because you have to finish up the topic. I do. Uh, I think we can squeeze this into <laughs> a second episode without going three. See, because we only got up to uh, Harry J. Anslinger in the last episode. so Yes, we did. I feel like this is maybe more of a three-parter, but I guess we'll find out. Huh? Yeah, I guess we will. Okay. Um, follow us on all the social meets at All Bad Things Pod. You can email us at all bad things pod at gmail especially when sharing topic suggestions and of course research because several people have been doing that and that is fantastic and super helpful yes it is but that also brings us to corrections corner yes let's get, let's get in early on corrections corner. yes wherein rachel struggles struggling to yes to, to properly convey uh someone else's research so masha who has um, contributed to a couple of topics yes. so far, and then she still has some on the way as well. Hopefully she has not gotten a new job so she, <laughs> no. so she, so she can keep sending us no. <laughs> research. Oh, that's, you know I don't mean yeah, that, Masha. No, no. Um, but I kind of do. <laughs> so this is regarding the Rungholt episode. Sure. So um, I'm sure there was a lot to get wrong in that one. It's Oh, it's, it's, it's a... It's a <laughs> Bit of a corrections corner here. Okay. So, um, it's, it's, I love how she opens this too. She says, Hello, Rachel. I'm afraid there are some corrections, <laughs> <laughs> which I love. It's like, Yeah, yeah. And then this is the, she's so sweet. She says, Please don't start blaming yourself for it. <laughs> Stop hitting yourself. It's okay, Masha. It is my fault. She, she was saying that she's still trying to figure out how to explain things properly. I'm like, no, you you, you explained it <laughs> fine. I probably completely misunderstood. Just throw it out there. Yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> the naming of the floods. Remember there were two floods? The yes. first and the second separated by like 300. Uh, 300 being years. Years, not the yes. Not the army of the 300. <laughs> no, no. Not the, no, uh, not, Gerard, not the, not the Spartans. Butler, was it? Or yes, it was, was yeah. yeah. Great movie. Never saw it. That's really Should good. Have. Yeah, it's really good. I'm sure it still holds up. Um, twelve years later, it's sad that that was twelve really? years ago. <laughs> but yes. So the first Marcellus flood occurred in 1218. Oh, oh! I totally fucked up the naming on this. Remember, I said there was the first flood in 1368, and then another one like 300 years later, separated by 300 years, and there were the first and second Marcellus flood. No, sure. No, the the first I still one, haven't re-listened re to that episode. So the first one I mentioned, the first flood I mentioned, I thought that was the first St. Marcellus flood. It was not. That was the second St. Marcellus flood. And then there was another one on top of that. So um, it was not the third, I guess. She said the first Marcellus flood occurred in 1218, like, 150 years before the one we were talking about, and did damage further in the West, mainly to the Netherlands. Okay, the second St. Marcellus flood was the 1362 one, the first, 
but so it was the second flood, but the first great drowning of men. And then the second one was the Burkhardji flood in 1634. Okay, so I totally fucked up which flood was which. Sorry. Correction. All right. That's why we have corrections. Yeah, it is. That was that's a pretty big thing to get wrong, though. That's my fault. All right. Well, now we're getting it right. Now, this is a um, an egg correction corner. I said that they used to um, uh, crack open an egg to check to see if the brine was ready that the, for the peat production. Anyway, sure. Um, uh, you apparently don't have to crack the egg open; it just floats in its yeah, in its little shell. So that makes more uh, more sense. Then. I said that there was like a stone etching that referred to Rungholt. Apparently, it was just an entry on a list it had nothing to do with a stone. I just made that up. <laughs> um, she said it. Someone actually found a two-word entry in a list of lost land. It's like finding a needle in a haystack. Without it, the archaeological findings would have been attributed attributed generally to settlements known to have existed in the area, not specifically Rungholt. So literally, the whole reason they found they they like even realized that Rungholt wasn't made up was not because of an etching in a stone. So that was me being silly. Well, I mean, you know, that's how archaeologists find things most of the time is an yeah, etching in stone. Yeah, it, it sounded more dramatic. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, the, like, think of how Indiana Jones came across the, the, uh, the Lost Ark of the Covenant. It's been a very long time since I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, Ark. I can barely remember that, too, but I do remember how he came upon that. Are you going to tell us? No. Okay. Just, just, go, just go see it. Just go watch it. It's on ne- It's on Netflix at the okay. moment. Okay. Okay. Um, at the moment. And then do you remember the story of the Ocarina? Or the Ocarina? The, yeah, because uh, yeah. we were talking about, uh, we sidetracked off to uh, Legend of Zelda for a little bit. Yes. Apparently this was not a legend, though. It really, really happened. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, she said, I'm sorry, I should have pre-read this uh, better than I did. Also, the Countess probably wasn't so much enchanted by the music. She was wondering what idiot was playing a recorder in the middle of the night, risking to drown when the tide came in. That's where she... Remember the the Countess who came from her castle or whatever? Anyway, that's that. And... Okay, that's about it. That's the main stuff. So, <laughs> correction. Thank you for <laughs> Thank the you, major Masha. corrections, yeah, Masha. Major. That we literally had the timing of the, the two. The floods. <laughs> names entirely wrong. That was my fault. I'm and, sorry. And the timing of them. But, hey, whatever. We didn't, I mean, we didn't, you did not do the research yourself. Neither did I. I didn't, but she did and she sure. explained it well. She did. So, don't, you don't blame yourself, Masha. That was me. No, not at all. So, but thank you again. But I'm saying that is the difference when you're not mm-hmm. doing it on your own. You'll... Mm-hmm. Yeah, go through things yeah. that you're like, wait, that's not correct. Like, yeah, no. yeah, that's true. So, so, um, but please keep sending in research, whoever wants to. Yes, absolutely. What are we drinking tonight? I am having my favorite national local, local beer. beer. Yes. Mm-hmm. What are you having? You're I'm having something, having... you're having something new. Yes, it's from Wise Man Brewing, which we actually went to in Winston Salem. Yes, we did. Uh, yes. That was the second place we went. Yes. 
I kind of preferred Fiddlin' Fish. I did too. Especially the vibe. But that place was but cool. The are good yeah. at both places. Yeah. This is called Tropical Shirts. It is a Berliner Weisse with blackberry and raspberry. It's good. I thought it was a sour. Mm. It's not really, but it's very, it, it is a little. I mean, try. it tastes a little sour, but it's not. A, technically, it's a Berliner Weisse. That's got some sourness to it, but it yeah. is, um, it's not bad. Not like that sour I had the other day that was basically just that all sour. That was really was sour. sour. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, do I like can't remember what that was, but yeah, that was not good. Yep. So we might as well be drinking while discussing drugs. We might as well be. it is, and we... <laughs> nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into it, shall okay. we? <laughs> so we are on the War on Drugs part two. Dude. Now, there are many parts of the War on Drugs. But well, for our purposes, episode two. Yes, episode two of the War on Drugs. So to start things off, how about we do a quick recap of last week's episode in case you're listening to our episodes out of order. Why would you listen to part two before part Who one? knows? Or what is most likely the case for me anyway, you forgot about what we covered in episode okay, one. Okay, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I do remember because, yeah. again, I did the research. Yeah, there you go. So that's how I remember things. I forget stuff when I, yeah, when when I do do the research, so... We began last week's episode talking about prohibition. Mm-hmm. The illegal manufacture, sale, and transportation of alcoholic beverages was cemented into the Constitution with the 18th Amendment and lasted from January 1st, 1920 to December 5th, 1933, when the 18th Amendment was officially repealed by the 21st Amendment, becoming the first and still only amendment to our Constitution that has been repealed. Here's hoping... Uh, no, never mind. I, I was going to say something controversial. <laughs> yeah, I, I know where you were going. Who cares? It's just about <laughs> guns. You guys know I'm a lefty. That's far lefty. I'm still fine with guns. It's just not. I think you know, they should be just, made illegal. No, just, just just don't have them. There's no use for an assault rifle. Um. Anyway. Bombs at once and exp- I'm saying born to be wild. It. I thought that the lyrics were buy all of the guns and explode into space like a peace thing, but I don't think that's what it was. I think it was about drugs. <laughs> Probably. Speaking of which. Yeah. So. Well, uh, let me let me uh, finish. Okay. Because we're we're leaving off on the on our dear Constitution that needs wow. a major page one rewrite in every facet. But well, anyway, that's and, a different topic for a different day. The interpretation, the originals yeah. need to shut the fuck up. Well, it's not that nobody knows how they interpreted it because nobody none of those people are alive today. But anyway, mm. so then we went into talking about the United States first commissioner of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics. That was which was also again a precursor to the DEA, right? And also colossal racist asshole Harry J. Anslinger. That's right. He talked about jazz music very derogatorily. I don't disagree with him on that, but not for the same reasons again. I mentioned that in the last episode. What is that? Sorry. It's okay. Anslinger is still widely considered to be the architect of the United States and worldwide drug policy. That was Abby texting me. Nice. (laughs) Hi, Abby. Now, I mentioned in the previous episode that I would go into Anslinger's views on international drug policy a little bit deeper, but after doing the research on Anslinger, I decided that would be a bit redundant. Mm. What Anslinger achieved in terms of United States domestic policy, you can essentially copy and paste throughout the entire developed world and the not-so-developed world 
as it were. Yeah, that's that's what I when you were telling the story of Anslinger, I was like, I feel like this is just going to repeat itself with yeah, different and it, and it did <laughs> different politicians and it throughout. Most definitely and it did, and in different still countries is. in many ways. Yes. Yeah. After his days in the Federal Bureau of Narcotics were over in 1962, he then spent the next two years as the United States. This is a bit of a mouthful. Okay. Spent the next two years as the United States representative to the United Nations Narcotics Commission. A representative. Oh, to the UN. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. That to makes sp- sense. To spread his racist and ignorant policies. Worldwide. Those policies would trigger a worldwide black market of illicit drug trade. Hmm. I'm sure most people except maybe our Gen Z listeners have heard of Pablo Escobar. I really hope we have Gen Z listeners. Probably the most notorious drug dealer in world history. Escobar, I, th- I think that's very fair to say. I would say so. I'd um, put him and Capone like at one and two, but Capone um, was only literally in a city. He and, was not international. And he know. Well, I don't know, actually. I know that booze, he was a bootlegger. That was he a was, big thing. But he but he controlled not he drugs, con- right? Well, I mean, not, not like... It was drugs at the time. It was well, yes, drugs. but I, I guess I mean um, cannabis or no. coke or opiates or anything. But he was a major supplier of something that was illegal. Yes, no, understood. And is a drug. I get it. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know if he also dealt drugs I in the traditional sense. Probably. Side. I mean, they did prostitute. They did everything back then, so yeah. probably. Uh, so Escobar and other international drug dealers like him came to power because of mm-hmm. the prohibition of illicit mm-hmm. drugs. Whatever illicit in this case is supposed to mean, that's literally... Quote, pe- illicit. That's literally yeah. people's opinion. Yeah. You could very easily call uh, uh, tobacco, well, nicotine, yeah, nicotine alcohol, is a, is a drug. Alcohol caffeine. Is a drug. You could caffeine easily call drug. those illicit drugs, but that just depends on. Yeah, illicit is a very um, illicit specifically. Pretty much means illegal. Illicit, uh, yes. However, I would say it's more of a moral judgment than it is a legal one. Like you know Absolutely. the term illicit sex. Mm-hmm. It's like what does that what does that mean? mean? It doesn't. It people are generally not referring to yeah, illegal. It's, it's whatever whatever you're into, as long as it doesn't involve like a minor. Well, no, I just mean like um, the word illicit, I would say, is more of a moral judgment than it is a legal yeah, determination. It's, just, it's a, yeah, it's just a. It's language for something people disapprove of, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. in general. So in this case, they took advantage of the prohibition of cocaine. Mm. So not so they only. They found a different niche in yeah, the market. Absolutely. That's all it was. Absolutely. Yeah. So not only did Anslinger and the Federal Bureau of Narcotics wreak havoc on United States citizens, yeah. largely people of color, yeah. we also exported that misery worldwide. Just think of what oil, oil companies do today. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, if, if it wasn't illegal, then it, there wouldn't be an it illegal It wouldn't have trade. been a problem. And for several countries that this, uh-huh. it wasn't a problem. Yeah. It really yeah. wasn't. It was just... If you want into the United Nations or you want certain mm-hmm. things from the United States government, you're going to have to go along with this policy. Mm-hmm. And what are most countries going to do? Go along yeah. with it, you know. And and the it's just it just belies the main at least a thesis that I would say I pretty much agree with that um making a vice illegal does not cure the vice in no, any way shape absolutely or form. Not. It generally tends to popularize it <laughs> well what it does or, or create a black market for what it. it does is take official authorities hands off of it like as in it no longer goes to the courts like drug trade happens on the streets yeah mm-hmm. you know gangs and other people of 
ex- extreme violent nature are the mm-hmm. judge, jury, and executioner yeah. of of that trade now mm-hmm. instead of like an official it's regulation, yeah. right? Instead of the courts, mm-hmm. you know, who I mean, they're not clean by any means, <laughs> oh. but at least there is some oversight and people vote judges and. You know, th- there is more control. Over exactly. It. Yeah. There's no control over it when no. it goes to the black market. Just watch uh, um, Breaking Bad if you want to sort exactly. of <laughs> exactly. view and a dramatized and very entertaining view. With a very believable premise. Remember, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Walter White was a school teacher who had been diagnosed with terminal cancer and yeah. couldn't afford his medication. Yeah. So what did he resort to? Selling, like, yeah, selling like meth. Drugs. Yeah. Yeah. So now that we have the basis for our modern day war right. on drugs, let's move a little bit ahead, shall we? Sure. So now we are at Tricky Dick. Oh, Tricky Dicky. Ushers in the war on drugs, the official war on drugs. Is this Tricky Dicky Nixon? This is. Okay. In 1969, Richard Nixon declared that drugs were, quote, public enemy number one, mm. unquote. And if, I, f- I feel like that was a famous quote. Yes, it is. Yeah. There's video of that. Okay. And officially launched the modern day war on drugs. Policy wise. Huh? Yes. Okay. Not that policy wasn't there before, right. but this is when like he's on the national level. No, oh, yeah. Like even though Anslinger was very powerful, I'm sure that like if you ask the average person on the street, who is Harry J. Anslinger? They, they'd have yeah. no clue. Yeah, but yeah. if you ask them who's who's Richard M. Nixon, like in whatever 1968, they would know. Mm-hmm. So with heroin use on the rise in America, primarily among returning Vietnam veterans... To try and check out from PTSD. Yeah. Of which my Uncle Carl is one. Yeah. Meaning a returning Vietnam veteran, not a, not, not not a heroin, heroin addict, addict. Okay. As far as I know. I'm well, kidding. Hey, hey, I would not blame anyone for trying to... No, there was a real fear at this time that, holy shit, like all these people are... I mean, that was a legitimate fear. Wait, um, they were what? That all these people were coming back as heroin addicts. Oh. All these soldiers were coming. Because you got to remember how many soldiers we put over there. there yeah, were, but they didn't all come back. Not all of them, but there were drugs. there were enough to raise warning flags. Sure. Like, what if fucking, sure. what if everybody comes back like this? And what's sad is, like, um, alternative therapy, like uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. I mean, I'm no psychologist. However, um, like, the... Therapy was still very new and stuff oh, that's yes. used now I've, to treat. Plus, the medication wasn't yeah. half what it was. They were giving people all sorts of shit, like as far as medication goes. Yeah, the, that but, that type the, of that type of treatment was in its infancy. The at, federal at best. government was still experimenting with LSD yes, they were. and MK Ultra. Yes, so. they were. Yeah, so so there really wasn't another place to turn to even. Now, I'm not saying that someone who struggles with drug addiction, like it's some sort of moral failing if they couldn't deal with it another way, you know, that is available. I'm just saying, like, these guys didn't even... There, there wouldn't have been anything to be aware of because there wasn't much to offer. And there wasn't a whole lot to turn to Right, back in this exactly. Time. Resources were very yeah. slim. Yeah, yeah, at best. Um. So I made with, you lose your spot. I'm you sorry. did. That's okay. I, I just realized after listening to some episodes, I do a lot of um-sos. That's but okay. Anyway. You talked about Uncle Carl. That no, was the I, last thing. I got thing. it. I okay. got it. Uh, the Nixon administration in, initially put their focus on that particular drug, meaning heroin, heroin mm-hmm. because it was a concern. Yeah. Nixon created the first federal methadone program. Okay. And, and dedicated 75%. Of the annual drug budget to treatment and rehabilitation. Oh, imagine that. 
And also repealed the two to ten year mandatory minimum sentences for marijuana well, possession that were instituted under Harry J. Anslinger. Wait, so so, so <laughs> you're blowing my mind, man. So we're off to a pretty good start. We're off to wow. So like you mean Tricky Dicky Nixon got rid of mandatory minimums for cannabis. He did. And dedicated three quarters of the drug budget not to enforcement but to treatment and education and also set up the first federal methadone program have i ever said before we should take a page out of tricky dicky nixon's book all right richard this nixon page just this page. no 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 trust me there are many pages that would blow your mind well, he, he is did, also the creator of the epa yeah, yes uh-huh. uh he richard nixon was very much afraid of movements and there were a lot of movements in the country at you this mean time. Like civil movements, yes. Or, and okay. he would more often than not capitulate to them because he didn't. Oh, because afraid, by afraid you mean hey, afraid. I don't want to get into trouble with you. Yes, guys. Yeah. afraid meaning I'm not going to get reelected if I don't do this. Oh well, political pressure in the positive. <laughs> right, that's what's missing today. The, go- the government yeah. doesn't fear us like they used to. And I don't mean that in a violent sense. I mean right. in a political sense. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, I mean our current president is just um well anyway for cocoa puffs yes and i mean that literally (laughs) i'm pretty sure he only eats sugared cereals coke and um and by that i mean like (laughs) coca-cola and uh, mcdonald's because he he uh, and kfc yeah that's what he serves like guests in his White House. Yeah. It's fucking fast food because he's yeah. a class act like that. So that's not surprising. What is surprising is what I just told you about Richard Nixon, yes. which I didn't even You're know. Right. I was like, that is I very... was like, really? Like I had to check and double check. Like, did this really? Yeah, that's apparently 10 it times did. more progressive than we are right now. Yes. Oh, yeah. That so again, like a Bernie. Uh, it does. First 90 days. Thing. It does. So again, we're off to a good start. Yeah. Very surprising, I know. But so hopefully, this new policy no. won't result in thinly veiled racist, bigoted, yeah. and xenophobic, no. xenophobic rhetoric, and an explosion of the prison population. Okay. So. Fingers crossed, everybody, that this is not going to happen, <laughs> even though we know it will and does and uh, has. So what are we? Well, I was going to say, are we talking Nixon's first or second term? But I'm guessing this his is first his first term. term because his second was cut a little short. Yep, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. So in 1970, the Comprehensive Drug Abuse Prevention and Control Act was created and became the main legal foundation for drug regulation in the United States. Okay. It consolidated all previous laws re- regulating the production and distribution of narcotics, stimulants, depressants, hallucinogens, and any other chemical substance considered to have a potential for abuse. I'm interested to see where this is going. Well, it's going right here. Okay. To enforce this new law... A new agency was created in 1973. The FDA? No, the DEA. The Drug Enforcement Administration. Or DEA. Or DEA. (laughs) So once again, so sidebar. So here's another, I don't know if Richard Nixon necessarily felt this way, but he probably did because he was a Republican, even Mm -hmm. though he's old school. So here's another small government Republican. Oh. Once again... Once again, creating a new federal agency. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they're absolute fucking hypocrites. To to be clear, I, to my knowledge, this was still in an era where there was less, um, less extremism of conservatism. This was before the Moral Majority. 
or at the very infancy of it. So I and and I feel like the railing against uh, big government was really Reagan's baby. That's where it got big. But I I feel like it's I feel like it's its foundation was maybe in because wasn't Eisenhower a Republican? He was. Yes. So like I feel he was still. But he was different. Nixon was still a different era. Nixon Much was a fucking era. crook despite his protestations. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like he was a. Or maybe he was a transitionary Republican, but this guy was kind of, was, he was a dick of a dick. He was a tricky and, dick. And, um, like he wasn't pandering to the religious right. Um. Not out in the open. Well, okay, fair enough. But you could say that of any president. But like, Nixon is considered, like looking back, even historians are, say, he was kind of the first to, to go to the far right lexicon, like he he Le- he barraged okay. he barraged the press, all that sort of stuff. But anyway, okay, but but anyway, just policy. Sure, I'm just saying that I don't know. I get Republicans in general, but I don't know that all that many modern Republicans are looking back at Richard Nixon like reverently. <laughs> That's true. It kind of it kind of starts and ends with Ronald Reagan. They worship at the altar of Reagan. They yes. do. So anyway. The agency began with a $75 million budget, or $430 million in today's money. That's very little. And it would also surpass that natural... We'll get into what the budget is today. Okay. It would surpass that... that, that uh, what am I trying to say? Regular infa- inflation. Okay. And had 1,470 special agents. Okay. It still sounds relatively small. So, you care to take a guess as to what that has ballooned uh, to in 2019? Uh, go ahead. Tell me. We now have 4,924 special agents mm-hmm. and an operating budget of $3.136 billion. Yeah. That's billion with a B. That's still less than I would have thought, I gotta say. But, but okay, I it's mean, It's still about still... $3 billion more dollars than we need to spend. And also... So there's 4,000 agents in the DEA. Almost 5,000. Okay, almost 5,000. For 300-plus million people in the United States, there's 5,000 agents. Mm-hmm. It's still... That's, this is just the DEA we're talking about. We're not talking about I get the DOJ, local, SWAT. state. Yeah, okay, fair yeah. enough, fair enough. This is just the federal agency. I didn't <laughs> yes. think of that. Okay, mm-hmm. that, that's fair enough. So now we have yet another new federal agency tasked with stopping people from using drugs, mm-hmm. except alcohol, nicotine, and caffeine, and so on and so forth. And pharmaceuticals. And they would need to implement a structure of what drugs pose the greatest threat of harm to users. Are we going to get into schedules? We are getting into, as the Canadians say, scheduling. The British say it too. That structure is known simply as drug scheduling. Okay. Which was created under the Controlled Substances Act of 1971. I've definitely heard of that. The following information on the drug schedule Mm -hmm. is taken right off the DEA's website and goes as follows, and yes, I did copy and paste. But this, you cited your exact source, and that's the way to go. Schedule 1. Okay. Schedule 1 drugs, substances, or chemicals are defined as drugs with no currently accepted medical use, and a high potential for abuse. So, no valid use and abuse. uh, No valid medical use. Medical use. And a high potential for personal abuse. For personal abuse. Some examples. if you don't study it, how do you know? We'll get get into that. Okay. Some examples of Schedule 1 drugs are 
heroin, mm-hmm. lysergic acid, dithalamide, or Wait. LSD. Oh, okay. Marijuana. Oh, put or, cannabis. Or cannabis. Up. Put that up on the same level as heroin, seriously? I'm not even going to try to pronounce hmm. this fucking word because... All right, let me give it a shot. But it means ecstasy. Oh, it's ecstasy. Um, <laughs> Methylenodioxin methamphetamine. Sure. That, that, that works for me. Let me Let see. me know, Emily, if that was correct. Let me see. So it's uh, methyl, okay, methyl... 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 Methamphetamine. Methamphetamine. What you said. Methaqualone, which is quaaludes, and peyote, which is literally a natural hallucinogenic. Peyote well, comes okay. from a plant. Okay, fair enough. Um... Uh, uh, but so, the, so those are your Schedule One drugs. Okay, fa- yeah, fair enough. Well, so cannabis also comes from a plant. It does. Um, so it's they're not saying whether this is natural, quote natural. They're not or saying not. shit. That's they're the whole just, yeah, purpose uh, it, of this. Yeah, okay, it's just so, let's make a list. Let's check it twice. And where is cocaine? Well, isn't, we, isn't that funny? It wasn't in the Schedule One, was it? Or speed or meth. But anyway, fun fact. Uh huh. About Schedule One drugs. Uh-huh. In 2003, uh-huh. a patent was awarded to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services mm-hmm. covering the use of non-psychoactive cannabinoids, which is also CBD? known as CBD okay. or canna- Cannab- cannabidiol, to be exact. Okay. Which is a compound found in, you guessed it. Cannabis. Marijuana. Yeah. To protect the brain from damage or degeneration from certain diseases. So there is... There is a medical... There is a medical patent. Uh-huh. As far back as... That was awarded in 2003. 2003. For a drug that a is on the use. Schedule One banned substances list for medical use. So it's contradicting itself by even exactly. being on schedule. It's fucking... This, the it, patent it just, shouldn't have been allowed. Exactly. Yeah. Because patents, patents in this case, because I looked into patents a lot today... On this, on these grounds, are mm-hmm. given out by federal government. State okay. governments yeah. can, but it's very rare. Okay. Like ninety-eight percent of all patents are given out by the federal government. Wow. So, so the gov- federal government is contradicting itself. Exactly. Which there's got to be legal which, cases going on. Which just goes. It, which it's amazing that any of this shit is still around because it's complete bullshit. It's total. They bullshit. either needed to um, revoke the patent or. Change the classification. One or the other. Yeah. Uh, the legal thing to do at this moment would be to revoke the patent. And at this point, may I also re-remind all of us that they said no acceptable acceptable medical use of LSD. Oh, and, and LSD has. Gov- well, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. And yet our federal government was conducting experiments. On those grounds. On American citizens for the use of LSD. So they were illicitly breaking their own illicit drug yeah. <laughs> controlled substance act. This is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean there are there are just with the war on drugs, the first thing I think of is morals and how everybody's going to stick to them. Again, it's compl- the whole thing is complete bullshit. So anyway, schedule 2. Schedule, okay. schedule 2 drugs, substances or chemicals are defined as drugs with a high potential for abuse. Okay. With use potentially leading to severe oh. psychological or physical dependence. These drugs are also considered dangerous. Some examples of schedule 2 <laughs> wait, 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 drugs let's, are let's, Hold on, I want to talk about the very very quickly. 
the vague wording of that, just to mention how horribly vague that was and how yeah, it's little vague on differentiated. Yeah. It's vague on okay. purpose. All right, so some yeah. examples of Schedule Two drugs. So, combination products with less than 15 milligrams of hydrocodone per dosage oh, unit, which is Vicodin. <laughs> I said, oh, jeezy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was, I was going to let that one go. Thank you. Oh, Yeezy. There's the cocaine you were looking for. Okay. Methamphetamine, which is what you were also looking for, mm-hmm. which you would think both of those would be on Schedule 1, yep. but nope. Methadone, which is literally a drug to counteract the effects of another drug. Hydro- yeah. Hydromorphone, uh, which is... Uh, I'm not... <laughs> Mepedrine, oxycodone, otherwise known Oxy. as oxycontin. Yeah. Fentanyl, dexedrine. Fentanyl, fentanyl is like that shit'll kill you. Yes, dexedrine, Adderall, and Ritalin. Adderall. Adderall. Are so all schedule the, two drugs. I'm sorry, you mean the drug that I was able to take legally, daily, mm-hmm. duly prescribed by a doctor, ten milligrams of so I wouldn't quit my job because of my adult diagnosed attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is a schedule two drug yes it is okay schedule three. Oh boy schedule Easy. three drugs substances or chemicals are defined as drugs with a moderate to low potential for physical and psychological dependence it suddenly went very low it, it went did. from high to moderate to low we had a really high bar then we had a semi-high bar, high bar and with now we have danger and now we have just uh this is moderate, the other low, this is the other know, shit something that nobody's gonna be all that concerned it, like, about it's not great so schedule three drugs abuse potential abuse potential is less than schedule one and schedule two drugs. <laughs> so just less than. But more than schedule four, <laughs> just in case anybody was keeping score at home uh, and couldn't figure out a rating system. Some examples of schedule three drugs are Uh-oh. products containing less than ninety milligrams of codeine per dosage unit. Codeine, which would be ty- Tylenol with codeine, ketamine, which is literally a fucking horse fucking steroid. Uh, anabolic steroids and oh. uh, testosterone. Testosterone, which is routinely prescribed and used for middle-aged men now. Sure, absolutely. You can uh, get that shit over the counter now. Uh, well, not the pure st- stuff, I'm sure. Special K yeah. is lower. On- That's a fucking horse tranquilizer. Yes. Now I've, ne- me, I've never taken it, but I I know people that have, don't. and I won't at this now, point. Now here's the. But here's I know I've never about, been into pills. So. Here is the thing about ketamine: they are conducting a lot of medical um, research on it for its potential. I believe oh, I'm trying to think. It was something made well, like anxiety or depression. There is probably, a specific thing. It's that probably it's, something that most most of these drugs that I'm listing today, mm-hmm. people microdose. Mm. Like, especially, like, LSD. People take, like, a microdose of Itty it. Itty-bitty bits. Mm-hmm. So now we're on to Schedule 4, which, again, to, to, remind, to remind our players at home <laughs> are less of a risk than the other ones I've mentioned. Yes. Also. Like, Rocky 4 is less of a risk to be a good movie <laughs> than Rocky 1 or 2. Or just, like, one star or more reviews of a risk. are bad, anyway, yes, given they are. by dicks. And five-star reviews are lovely and make us feel very good. Thank you. Yes. You guys are really nice when you do that. And we don't just don't, we just hate the other people. <laughs> but we love you. So Schedule 4 drugs, substances or chemicals are defined as drugs with a low potential <laughs> for abuse. And Less than. <laughs> low risk of dependence. 
Some examples. Wait, wouldn't that be just about any other remaining drug? We're, we're, we're getting there. We only have one more. Safe? We only have one more schedule. Oh, to there's go. another. Some examples of Schedule Four drugs are Xanax, Soma, Darvone, uh, Darvacet, Valium, Ativan, Talwin, Ambien, and Tramadol. Do you know how many people are totes like hooked on? I know. Ativan I was gonna say I know Ativan. Valium. I, yeah, I know both like, of those. Ambien mom, too. These are the mother's little helpers. Yeah, shit. Xanax and Ambien. I knew. I knew. Let's see, four of the seven of those. Yeah, I don't. I've heard of. Darvacet. I don't know. I, Soma to me is a Smashing pumpkin song, Soma. not a drum, not a drug. Sounds like uh, William. Darvon and Darvacet. I don't know. Darvacet. Any of I've those. heard of. These are all tranquilizers, yeah. basically. Think that seems. I know Ambien is obviously yeah. a sleeping pill mm-hmm. because of all the stories of people like sleepwalking on it. Yeah, and doing weird shit on Ambien. Yeah. So schedule five, we are I on can't to now. There's another one. Schedule five drugs, sub- substances. I keep messing up that word. I'm sure it sounds something says. <laughs> it has a lot of s's in it. Or chemicals are defined as drugs with lower potential for abuse than Schedule 4. So, again, as if just know. Literally, I copy and pasted it and read, like, half of it, and now now so I'm, I'm it, reading along with, schedule with the Schedule 5 audience. was low potential. Or, sorry, Schedule 4 was low potential. Schedule 5 is lower, lower potential. <laughs> potential for abuse than Schedule 4. I'm sorry, did a 10th grader write this? And that's an insult it, to 10th graders. Might as well have been. Like, holy and con- shit. And consists of preparations containing limited quantities of certain narcotics. Schedule 5 drugs are generally used for anti-diarrheal, anti-tussive, <laughs> and Antitussive. That's against coughing. Analgesic? Analgesic? Yeah, that's purposes? Pain, pain management. Okay, I like that. Some examples of Schedule Five drugs are cough preparations with less than 200 milligrams of codeine. So cough syrup. Or per 100 milliliters, which is which would be Robitussin. They give an example. Okay. Lomatil, Modafin, uh, Lyrica. I've heard of Lyrica. I have heard of Lyrica. And Parapectolin. Paraceptolin. Oh, Emily's going to love this episode because she knows all the meds. (laughs) I have the best meds. I know all the meds. She knows all the meds. meds. I don't think she would give them out (laughs) willy-nilly. She has way more morals than that. So now we have our legal infrastructure in place to stop the social evil known as drug use, even though alcohol is fully legal and And not on the schedule. Kills people every fucking day. Not on the schedule. (laughs) So Anslinger essentially put the plan together. Again, he's known as the architect of our drug policy. So he had the he had the design. Nixon is the one that provided the majority of the legislation. I have a joke. And that is where we will leave off with Rachel's joke. So it's still forming (laughs) in my head. But like Anslinger was the David who would inadvertently empower the Goliath that was the war on drugs. Get it? Anslinger. <laughs> you know the story of David and Goliath? I, and I the do. Sling? Yes, I do. My name is David. I'm named yeah. after the king. Oh, I know. Yeah. You know what your name means in Hebrew? I don't. Beloved. Oh, okay. I'll, beloved. I'll take that. You know what mine means? What? Like a lamb. Beloved like a lamb. That's the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> Beloved like a lamb. <laughs> Mama. So again, Nixon is pretty much the one that put the whole thing together. Well, he's 
Okay, now you said that he basically started the policy war on drugs, Mm -hmm. but it has not been branded as such at this juncture, correct? How do you mean? (laughs) He wasn't calling it that. Oh, Richard Nixon? Yes, he was. He did call it the war on drugs? And I I meant to mention last week, I don't think I did, um, Anslinger also referred to it here and there as the war on drugs, but it was not coined as a term. Until Richard Nixon. Oh, okay, okay. I did, I so Nixon did that. coin the term. It was became official. The war okay. on drugs under his watch. Because we love militarizing. We things do. Yes, we do. That don't need to be. So that is where we will leave off with Richard Nixon for now. Okay. But we will be getting back to him later. Oh, eh, tricky dicky. Yes, we will. And now I'm realizing that I forgot to put that part in. The... <laughs> we'll get, we'll so when, get back so to when we get to the end, are we in? Oh, we're very early on. So when we get to the end, we're going to pause it for a little bit so I can <laughs> This put might that, be a three-parter. So I can put that back This might this. be a three-parter. So now we are on to the Gerald Ford and Jimmy Carter administrations. Gerald Ford always feels like the forgotten modern president. Yeah, because he... It was only a partial term, right? It was, yes. Uh, he was president for... Three? Three years, two yeah. and a half, three years. Not very long. He did run for re-election, re- but he lost, lost to, to Jimmy, Jimmy Carter. So both the Gerald Ford and Jimmy Carter administrations would continue supporting treatment programs okay. with, with more focus on harm reduction. Okay. All right, not bad. Uh, is this all going to go to shit when Reagan comes in? Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> Ford altered Nixon's drug strategy by prioritizing the actual treatment of heroin addicts over the objective of simply reducing crime. Oh, he Imagine al- that. He also commissioned his drug policy advisors to write a review in 1975 known as the White Paper, which concluded that the U.S., meaning the United States, should envision <laughs> yeah, a... What else? Well, hey, we have international listeners. Okay. Should envision a realistic drug policy that should stop raising expectations of total elimination of drug abuse hmm. from our society and instead wow. focus on heroin and large-scale traffickers. Oh, a ma- this sounds incredibly reasonable. In one of the most prescient insights on drug policy, Ford did you concluded. Write that yourself? I oh, did. That was really good. Ford concluded, that's a good word. Mm-hmm. Ford concluded that drugs should be seen as an enemy we can control, not as one that we could defeat, which is oh, quote, that's, yeah. quote end quote. You'll you'll never get rid of harm it's, in society. Like people, stuff will happen. Again, people have been using drugs literally for the, since we could stand on yeah. two feet. And there was actually even more reason to use them back in, like, caveman days. If I were, like, a cave person living back in cave person cave days. Person. Well, I'm trying to be gender neutral. If I were a cave person. I've just never heard that before. <laughs> a cave person. Well, being a caveman, is, that's, that's super gendered. So being a cave person in the prehistoric... And also, apparently, we lived with the dinosaurs, depending on who you believe. <laughs> depending on who you ask. Especially um, especially the guy in New Zealand. Like the Flintstones. Um, then I would want to do drugs, too. I mean, I want to do them in modern times, too. It's just imagine how much more you would want to do them in cave person times. Sure. <laughs> Continue, please. <laughs> Despite his focus on heroin treatment... Ford increased the budget for heroin interdiction while increasing regular what is and interdiction, like getting in between like users oh, and suppliers. I, I did not know that word. I learned a new word. Uh, 
so he did that while increasing regular and instituting mandatory minimum sentences. Oh, wait. Now, is this just for, for any particular drug or for all drugs? This is for heroin. Heroin specifically. By the end of his administration, the budget for enforcement was equal to that of prevention and treatment. So now we're at a 50-50, whereas before, somehow under Nixon, we were at a 75-25. 75 meaning for treatment. Mm -hmm. By the time Ford left office in 1977, drug use among 18-year-olds had grown to 48%, mostly marijuana. Yeah, I was going to say by, quote, drug use, they probably mean... President Carter would focus more resources on treatment and rehabilitation. Carter even advocated for the national uh, depenalization of marijuana, a measure that had already been passed in several states. Basically decriminalization? Mm -hmm. Okay. His drug czar, Peter Bourne, de-emphasized the focus on marijuana and even cocaine. Oh, wow. Damaging Carter's drug reform agenda, however, Bourne had to resign after it was leaked that he had snorted cocaine... (laughs) And smoked marijuana with other White House staffers <laughs> at a party. I wonder why he was so cool. Yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, cocaine, Mary. He's like, I'm down with it, man. He's like, we can get, we can just, oh, that's so funny. we can just not legalize it, just decriminalize it, man. That's so funny. I, you know, I gotta say, I, I didn't, I didn't know which way it was gonna swing with Carter here, because I know. I, I I like Jimmy Carter. Yes. I know he had some backwards policy on LGBTQ plus issues apparently. Um Well he he here's what here's what his problem was. He was not a very good politician. He just wasn't. He was an actually like decent person. Right. <laughs> like an you honest know, person. <laughs> almost almost to a fault. Mm-hmm. Like like you'll see clips of him like in old interviews where somebody's just randomly asking him a question as he's getting into the presidential limousine. And he answers and he'll answer it. And yeah. he'll he'll be like they'll be like uh, was this a good deal with the with the trade on China? He'd be like, no. Yeah. And then get into the car and be like, mm-hmm. you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> See, this is why I wouldn't make a good politician because I would do the exact same. Except I would have been like, no, what are you just? Are you out of your mind? You crazy yeah. motherfuckers! Of course that wasn't a good deal. Yeah, that that was kind of. And I remember my mom saying that too. Is that he just he wasn't very good at. At the political game. Well, the, the best people usually don't end up in high offices. And by true. best, I mean most upstanding. Yeah. Yeah. So while Carter's po- uh, drug policies stressed harm reduction, mm-hmm. especially for heroin, by the end of his term, interdiction became the priority. When Carter left office, drug use in the U.S. peaked at 53% creeping. among 18-year-olds. Now, you know what I have to say that I appreciate very much here is the during both of the administrations, their focus on heroin. Well, in it, the, yeah, it sounded in, like. in these two administrations, and even with Nixon, which I didn't know until I did this re- research, it's kind of a, okay, drugs are there. Now, I'm going to get back into what Nixon's real purpose on the okay. war, war on drugs was. You said it, he, you were circling back around to that. Yes. Um, but for the next two administrations, it was like, okay, we already kind of have these policies in place. Let's see how we can tweak them a little and, bit here and, and there. And highly pragmatic, it sounds like. Yeah, They're not, like, we're not going to get rid of this It's stuff. not a... Uh, it's not... It's harm reduction. It's not Anslinger, where if you smoke uh, marijuana, you will kill your brother or sister. Right, right. It's not that bullshit, you know. It's, okay, there's a bit of a problem. Obviously, we need to pay attention to it. Right. Let's not go overboard. Well, yeah. So now. Oh, boy. 
who 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 is the predecessor to Jimmy Carter? Oh, the predecessor? You mean successor? Of? Successor. I keep fucking up those two <laughs> That's okay. words. Okay, the successor. I, I, predecessor to me means like predatory, which also always means oh. to me like the person that comes after. Okay, I kind of get that, um, but it's pre means before. Yes, I know. Yeah. Suck means after. That's what she said. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> anyway, um, who is the successor? Jimmy I, yes. So uh, the more I learn about this individual, the l- I never oh, the liked more I hate, him. The more I hate him. Yes. <laughs> but I've really started thinking beyond like a personal issue. It's more like I think he did genuine harm in so many ways to the country and to our everything. Policy. Yes. Basically, I think the downfall of America was actually Reagan. At well, this juncture. <laughs> I would I would put him as the uh, the patient zero mm. as to why we are in the positions that we're in today. Jeez. Not everything is on him. No, of course not. But but I would say a majority of it is. So now we are on to this is what happens when you hire an actor to do a, to do a politician's work. We're on to Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Who turns up the war on drugs to 11. <laughs> These go to 11. These worn drugs go to 11. <laughs> now that we've do- both done our uh, Spinal Tap impressions. So the war on drugs was a relatively, relatively being the keyword, small component of federal law enforcement efforts right. until the Ronnie presidency Rakes. of Ronald Reagan. Ronnie Rakes. On October 14th, 1982, President Ronald Reagan declared, quote unquote, a war on drugs. So this is when it's really being used in the rhetoric. Oh, yeah. Now. Now, so this was a year and a half into, into his, his presidency. Administ- or almost two years into almost. his, his yep. administration. So he was doubling down on an initiative that was started by Richard Nixon. Okay. Reagan declared that illicit drugs were a direct threat to U.S. national security. <laughs> Reagan greatly expanded. I know. Reagan, Reagan apparently, apparently the guy's... In the, what was it? Hang on. Apparently the guys in the Carter administration blowing lines of coke <laughs> and fucking that wasn't gonna smoking fly weed all night at a, at, a, 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 at a staff party was fine, but everything else was fucked. So. <laughs> he, but, I mean, we know Reagan was being heavily peddled and it was essentially the puppet of the religious right. Yes. Now? Yes, okay. he was. This is the beginning of the real influence of the, the quote, religious moral right, majority which yeah. has not stopped since has actually only gained strength anyway they all need to smoke so reagan greatly expanded the reach of the drug war and his focus on criminal punishment over treatment led to a massive increase in incarcerations for nonviolent drug offenses imagine that a, a issue that we're still dealing with to this day we uh yeah go ahead sorry in 1984 his wife nancy spearheaded another facet of the war on drugs with her Just Say No campaign. Just which, say, which uh, when I was a little kid, uh-huh. th- that's when this was in full effect. It, st- it still was. I was more of the um, your, this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs generation, but the Rachel Lee oh, Cook yeah. one. Yes, that was different. Yes. And uh, yeah, this, this whole shit, I remember as a little kid. I remember being yeah. in grade school with all of this stuff. I remember Just Say No... Or am I thinking of take a bite out of crime? Either way, like crime, crime things. Maybe that's why we're all so fucking fascinated with true crime because we were just told constantly that everything was dangerous. Yeah. 
So anyway, the Russians are dangerous. Drugs are dangerous. Crime. There's criminal. Socialism is dangerous. If like, you walk every, out, everything is dangerous except for Wall Street. They have your backs. That was that was compelling. Thank you. Yeah, that's why I, I can be a politician. Okay, um, Nan- <laughs> uh, Nancy Reagan's just say no campaign, and I were born in the same year. Apparently, yes, they were. Which also, fun fact, was the same year that the Help I've Fallen and I Can't Get Up a commercial first aired. Was it really? Apparently, oh, that's okay. what I read. Once. I thought it was a little later. No. Okay. I also share a birthday, as in month and day, with Alyssa Milano. Sorry, I know she's problematic to say the least. And uh, Robert, Urick De Niro, Urick from Spencer for Hire. Oh I was yeah, say Ulrich, but that's street ski. Uh, oh yeah, Ulrich. <laughs> Robert Urick from Spencer for Hire is a reference that I would put the over under on three people will get. <laughs> Google it. Everyone can figure it out. Look it up on Wikipedia. Come on. I'm going with the under on that, by the way. Okay, keep going. Let's let's move on. Just say no to drugs, except whatever. She was uptight. And so the Fuck. Just Say No campaign was a privately funded effort to educate school children school children on the dangers of drug use. Privately funded by whom? Do we know? The expansion of the war on drugs was in many ways driven by increased media coverage of and resulting in public nervousness over the crack epidemic that arose in the early 1980s. Uh, which, this, oh God. This heightened concern over illicit drug use helped drive political support for Reagan's hardline stance on drugs. Yes. And also, this, yes! the crack epidemic was highly tied to racism, to... Well, this whole thing. Uh, yes, all, uh, like obviously since the inception. All, all they needed occasionally was an excuse, and like, oh, crack, that's it. Mm-hmm. We'll use that one. And the and 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 we're about to get into that. And and ugh, just uh, anyone who looks at somebody who is struggling with drug addiction and thinks to themselves, "Yeah, you should be imprisoned." Like, you're a fucker. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, pretty like much. Like you have no, you're not human. You're a sociopath. Like, have you killed anyone? Because it's probably not <laughs> far off. That might be a little extreme. Oh, Re- but I Reagan, think you've got nah, some issues. Reagan killed quite a few people. Mm. Uh, ask Central Americans how many Jesus. people he killed. Yeah. Anyway, Congress p- went on to pass the Anti-Drug Abuse Act of 1986, <clears throat> which allocated 1.7 billion dollars to the war on drugs and established a series of mandatory Minimums. minimum prison yeah. sentences for various drug offenses. So, okay. In 1986, well, you might not know this, but I'm I'm just going to put this out there. The Tax uh, Act, the major tax Okay, sorry. No. No. Uh-huh. In 1986, uh-huh. a very famous athlete dies. Of what? Of a cocaine overdose. Athlete. A famous athlete in 1986 when I was one. Uh, at this point, yes, you were one and a half. Okay. You were like, uh, yeah, you were like exactly one and a half. Yeah. June of 86? Uh, I believe that is when the N- mm. NBA draft happens. NBA? Anyway, yep. Oh, oh, the guy on the great 30 for 30. Mm-hmm. That poor kid. Mm-hmm. First time trying it? Am I right about that? Or like... Not necessarily. He wasn't, he, just, but he just wasn't... Just a, took too much. It, he just was partying. He wasn't a, a, right. an addict. He wasn't addicted so anyway, or anything. But, oh. We are talking about the death of college basketball star and second overall pick of the 1986 NBA draft, Len Bias. 
the the thirty for thirty without bias. I think yep. it's called is I, amazing. I'm sorry, is. I stole your thunder. It's okay. I do mention it it's in a, good. In it's a couple very of sentences. Sad. So Bias was having a small get-together with friends and teammates in his University of Maryland dorm room the night after being drafted. Imagine partying after you just, like, literally made your life and your family's life, like, for the rest of your lives. Pretty much. (laughs) And this is when the NBA is really gaining in steam. This is 1986. This is the Jordan days. Yeah. Jordan's still very new at this point, but, but the, the it's end, about to explode because of him. The NBA at this point is the face of um, Larry Bird and oh, Magic yeah, Johnson, uh-huh. and this guy is about to be Larry Bird's teammate when Larry Bird oh, is wow. still in his prime. So he was a Celtic, mm-hmm. or he, yeah, he, he was just drafted by the Celtics. Yep. Yeah. So he passed out due to, due to an overdose. Okay. Of, of coke powdered. Cocaine. So he had been inhaling, is mm-hmm. the idea? Been snorting it. Okay. Like all night. Like he passed out at like uh. six thirty in the morning. Well, if he wasn't a heavy drug user and then suddenly went I've to- seen, I've watched the documentary, yeah. I've read and I read other stuff about it. It was literally just an accident. He had yeah. done it, he had done it before, but this time he was doing it all fucking night. Yeah, just a little He's the number he's the number coast. two overall pick in the NBA draft. He's about to make millions of fucking dollars, and he's just like, hey, guys. Let's party. Let's do it. Here's a couple of fucking grams. Of co- let's do it. You know? Yeah. Not that that's the best decision to make, but no, it's, it's also but it's also not an uncharacteristic decision to make for a 20 or 21-year-old that's the in thing. college. That's the thing, Whose yeah. whole life is ahead of them and think that they're bulletproof. And it's that's what's the shittiest part, is that, like, we've all been there. And we all get it. It's just that some of us don't make it past it because some of us didn't make it out of it. And it's really, it's really a roulette. I've got, I've got one friend who is an example of that. But anyway, so sad. um, There is an ESPN thirty for thirty doc called Without Bias, which I agree is one of the better. It's very good. It's one of the best ones that they've done. They interviewed his parents, Mm -hmm. right? And his mom went on to be an advocate Mm -hmm. against drug or uh, for drug. And they also interviewed a couple of uh, uh, congressmen. Okay. Because this whole um, uh, anti-drug abuse act of nineteen eighty-six happens because he died. Gotcha. A lot of laws result from like one marquee case. Yeah, you oh, know, this like was a the big, Amber Alert again. Adam Walsh. In, I mean, in 1986, all I knew about the NBA was literally Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, and Magic Johnson. Even I remember this. Wow, when I was little. nine years old. Yeah. Yes, I remember when this happened. Wow, this is this is still when ESPN is in its infancy. This is still when sports media is. I bet they reported on MTV. Probably did. I don't. I, I don't think so. But I. Rem- I remember when it happened. I remember it was a big deal. Okay. So. I did not. It would be weird if I did. <laughs> it would be yes. <laughs> so a notable feature of mandatory minimums was the massive gap between the amounts of crack and of powder cocaine that resulted in the same minimum sentence. Okay. Possession of five grams of crack led to an automatic five-year sentence. While it took the possession of 500 grams of powder cocaine to trigger the same sentence. Oh, wow. Since approximately 80% of crack users were African-American. Oh, yeah. 
Mandatory minimums led to an unequal increase of incarceration rates for nonviolent black drug offenders, as well as claims that the war on drugs was a racist institution. Well, it is. Which we already know it is. (laughs) It is. But people people at this point, you have your three channels of media. You don't have the internet in 1986. You don't have any other outlet of people to tell you, like, no... This has been racist all along. Yeah. People today don't even tell you that. Yeah. Um, in mainstream. So yeah. imagine, yeah, imagine what you're being told in 1986. So in his effort to, quote, make America great again, unquote, mm. yes, that was originally a catchphrase from Reagan's stump speeches in his first presidential run in 1976. Mm. Remember, he lost the Republican primary in 1976 to Gerald Ford. The U.S. government put money and military resources behind Central American groups Mm. known to be trafficking cocaine, but they played a major role in defeating other enemies of America's Central American territories at the time, and they also played a major role in the creation of America's inner-city crack cocaine problem by flying in drugs I was going to go, I was going to, I, I, after researching it, it was way too much of a sidebar. And now I cannot remember the guy's name. Go into the... Look up Los Angeles, uh, Los Angeles City Council meeting, 1992, okay. where it's a former CIA, CIA agent mm-hmm. who, in the audience, he doesn't testify or anything. They're having a city council meeting. Okay, yes. Uh-huh. And they're talking about how... You know, crack cocaine. Like, and this guy stands up and he's like, he's like, I know the reason why we have a crack cocaine problem in Los Angeles. He's like, because we're flying it here. We he's, being we being the CIA. Oh. And he's like, oh. And the city council people start to be, start to quit. He's like, oh, and you want details? And he goes into this whole. Trust me, YouTube that. So somebody basically defected from the CIA. Being well, like- he retired. And he grew but a conscience. you're still not supposed to say that shit. He retired and grew a conscience and was like, no, he, we're... He defected, and I'm not saying that yep. that's a bad thing. Okay, wow. So, wow. I, I can't, the guy's name is escaping me, but trust me, it's... And the whole audience is going nuts because they know it's true. Because they know, like, what resources do we have to mm-hmm. fucking bring crack cocaine into... Like, we don't have any resources. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, and the... Oh, the CIA. I know. CIA, man. So hi, hi, CIA. <laughs> I know you're listening. Oh, you're not. You don't care. You probably gave us a one star review. You fuckers. They might have. I'll take that from the CIA yeah, with with pride. Fine. So fun fact. I'm gonna spread these throughout the episode yeah, so many because because they are fun. Yep. In 1987, actress Drew Barrymore. Oh yes. Signed an anti drug pledge. Oh honey. Alongside First Lady Nancy Reagan. She was like. As part of the un- actually, I think we were born in the same year, so really? she was she's like, like thirteen. 10? Or I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You said eighty-seven. No, she's like a couple. No, I think we are born in the- anyway. So she's, yeah, she's like she's ten a or eleven. Basically. Yeah, basically. Yes, exactly. She's, she she does not have boobs yet. Well, um, that, that's a really crude way to say it. And and but you can have developed and be a preteen. Okay, she is a non-developed preteen at well, this she, moment. We don't know. We do not know. She, just say she's a preteen. She's a preteen. We do know she's we a preteen. We do know that. <laughs> so, 
She signed an anti-drug pledge alongside First Lady Nancy Reagan. <laughs> How'd that work? As part of the ongoing Just Say No program that capitalized on pop culture, pop culture stars like Barrymore and the cast of sitcom Different Strokes. <laughs> Who all those people... <laughs> Yeah, go- oh. <laughs> Google what happened to people who were in the different strokes. And, this is uh, like people who sign a virginity pledge. Exactly, yeah. They all have sex like three days later. The only problem was that Barrymore, like many of the celebrities Mrs. Reagan recruited for her anti-drug effort, was still abusing drugs at the time. Yeah, she started really young. She did. And because she's, she's a child star that, that's not she, atypical. But you know what? I'll give it up. To, she came out of it. And oh, yeah, she did. She's actually a really kick-ass lady. Yes. I mean, yeah. to survive that at such a young age and go on to... To continue to have a career. Now she's in production, which yeah. is where the, the bucks are. So in the end, Nancy Reagan's Just Say No program was considered a massive failure. No yeah. sh- No shit. Did did you ever do like a pledge? I probably did pledge. because I was like seven to, or eight and didn't know any better. In my day, it was dare. Do you get into dare? Uh, I I researched it. I skip over it. That okay. that came under um, George H W Bush. Yes, and well, okay. slightly under Bill Clinton. Yeah, kind of ended say, with him. Uh, it was in the Clinton days for me, but no. Um. So by the end of Reagan's two-term presidency, the prison population in America nearly doubled. Mm. At the beginning of Reagan's first term, there were roughly 400,000 inmates in America. That's not bad. No. <laughs> Compared Fast, to now. No, I'll, I'll get into the stats later on mm. what it is now. Fast forward to 1989, and there were roughly 750,000 inmates, yeah. all because white people continued to abuse yeah. drugs that were perceived to be a black person's problem. Yeah. So naturally, we decided to punish black people and any other person of color law enforcement can get their hands on. A great way to see... What happens when people of color and law enforcement clash when it comes to drugs is I <laughs> really me in suspense. Well, I, I fucked up the way I wrote this. Oh, okay. Anyway. So on March eleventh, I'm just gonna I'm just <laughs> gonna redo start? it in my Pretend head. That didn't happen. So on March eleventh, nineteen eighty nine, mm-hmm. on the Fox Network, no shit. Okay. The television show Cops made its debut less than two months after the end of Reagan's presidency. Bad Bad boys, boys, bad bad boys. boys. What What you you gonna gonna do? What you gonna? And it's sick that we know that. Regarding okay, regarding cops, I watched it all the time when I was a kid. I've seen snippets. I've I've never seen. I've seen lots of episodes. All right. So we have the law, um, I can't remember specifically what it's called, but we have the law where cops can possess something if they think it's being used for drug use. What is possess, that called? Confiscate? They can confiscate, they, they usually confiscate cash, but they can kind of no, take... they can confiscate... I know, but they yeah, use, you it's usually or, cash, but they can take anything they oh, want no, if they be, think it's... No, it's not usually cash, it's anything. Confiscate anyway. just means seized by the police. Fucking anyway. Okay, yeah. here's what I'm getting into. Mm-hmm. I remember watching an episode of Cops, maybe mm-hmm. it's first or second year. They busted into a drug dealer's home. He wasn't there. There was nobody okay. there. Nobody there. Okay. But he had like this sweet ass, like oh, no. competition orange colored Camaro in his garage. Oh. And the cop, this is like in 1989 or 90, uh-huh. had in the early days what would be called a cellular phone. Uh, oh, the brick? <laughs> yes. Called the guy's answering machine, like standing mm-hmm. right next to it. 
like to the leave tape a tape recorder yes, message to leave a machine, message yeah. left a message saying they were taking his car okay and whatever and i it's just like leaving a note except in a really I, but weird i way. just i really remember thinking even at that age like wait like how can they just take his car yeah. like yeah the weird thing is that like on some level, if he wasn't reporting his income, they could potentially do that. For, but that's not what they were doing. No. They were just—they were literally just taking his car. They're just sticking with him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I really remember thinking that when I was like twelve. You know what? And 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 again, I don't remember what those laws are called, but mm-hmm. but we know. But they have unreasonable search and seizure. No, no, no that's not okay. what I'm talking. Okay. I'm talking okay. about literally taking your shit. That's called confiscation. Like that but is the it, word for taking I shit. I understand, but it has like a name to it. Okay. Which, which the I law. I, I don't know the law behind it, but um, somebody please help us out. <laughs> you know what's? <laughs> you can't help us. Nobody can help us. Um, you know what's really like kind of upsetting to think of is how I thought of cops as like, uh, oh, bad boys, bad boys, mm. and like an, quote, entertaining shit show show. But it's actually a highly exploitative show. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and a, yeah. And sorry for executives, the privilege show. Well, no, executives have, have, have admitted that. Like, past yeah. producers have been like, yeah. It's like. hugely problematic. Also, I wanted to point out that there's a lot of misogyny involved in... Um, the war on drugs too, such as there is no um, male gendered word for crack whore that is specifically meant towards women Mm -hmm. and is highly insulting and disgusting. So if there was a name for a male crack addict, it would be better? Well, no, you know, it's very (laughs) telling is that we have lots of words for a woman who's a quote, Whore, and we don't have any for Yeah, what, what, do you think we live in Sweden? Like, this is the United States. Like, come on. Even on Love Island, they were discussing. Yeah, that because... Women can't be free about Because sex. Love Island is filmed where? Outside of the United States. No, 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 I'm saying that they're even... They shame the girls more there, and that is Europe still, so... Okay, well, then anyway. we took after them, our, our European brethren. Well, we are descended of them. We are. As... Our political system. So on to the so crack whore males <laughs> of George H.W. Bush. <laughs> no, 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 no. And no. Bill Clinton. But no, they're, they're, they're fucking motherfuckers is who those two are. Oh, let's get into that. <laughs> the fucking motherfuckingness. When Easy. George H.W. Bush took office, the federal drug control budget was around $5 billion. Now Bill that. Clinton, this is Daddy Bush. Big, big Bush. No, this is. Uh, Daddy Bush. Yeah, um, H.W. Well, yeah, that's true. Granddaddy, daddy. Yeah, get son. to the, the one. Is he dead finally? H.W. Bush? Yeah, like okay, uh, almost a year ago. So yeah. I'm, I'm not like celebrating his death, but I, I'm just saying I'm, it's. I'm fine with him being dead. He can go be with Barbara, whatever. Yeah. Enjoy. Yeah, she died like six months before, which usually means if you're that age, he was like 95. It usually doesn't take much longer no. for the other. It's a highly stressful event to lose a spouse. Sure. I. I my condolences I don't to really, for I don't, that. I, I don't, I don't, <clears throat> whatever. I, I don't really care that he's dead, and I hope his son follows like very soon. That'd be just fine with me. But anyway, okay. when George H.W. Bush took office, the federal drug control budget was around $5 billion. Now, okay. when I'm saying the federal drug control budget, I'm meaning all of the federal agencies, so not, not just, just the, the DEA. DEA. Okay. So, so it really hasn't gone up a ton since it first started because you said it was like three point something. It's million. gone. I mean, Reagan bloated it a oh, little no, no, no. bit. It was, ha- it was like four hundred thousand initially. No, no, no. Sorry, four hundred million. Four hundred seventy-five million. Yes. Seventy million. 
100,000 was something else. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it, it just whatever. <laughs> when he left office in 1993, the budget was over $12 billion. So he more than doubled it by the time he left office, which was for one term. He was only in wow. office for one term. So within four years, it, it, it more, doubled, than more than doubled. It more than doubled. This was the sharpest escalation in the history of the drug war. And it locked the country into a strategy of punishment, deterrence, and intolerance. Yeah. Based on instinct rather than evidence. Because, yes. I mean, when you're solving a crime, the last <laughs> thing you want is evidence. You just want your instinct. Bush's approach did little to alleviate the public health crisis of addiction or halt the flow of drugs to American shores. And we remain trapped within this largely punitive approach today. Uh, yeah. That still largely affects... Say it with me. People of color, yes. People of color. Also, um, basically anyone disadvantaged. I mean, yes, disproportionately, first and foremost, people of color. However, like, there's just our our entire penal system, our entire criminal justice system is so rigged against the poor, against the disadvantaged. It's... I'll get into that. Oh, God. So... One of those citizens who was disappro- <laughs> disappropriately affected by the war on drugs. Disproportionately, you mean? Thank you. Okay. Was an 18-year-old D.C. resident named Keith Jackson, who was arrested as part of a White House publicity stunt in 1989. I don't, I don't recall hearing oh, of this. Oh, this is, you can watch this on YouTube. Okay. Not the arrest, the subsequent speech. So in September 1989... Bush astonished, this would be George H.W. Bush, Bush, astonished the American public by brandishing a bag of crack cocaine during a nationally televised address. Legit coke? Like, or crack? Nobody Legit knows. Crack. Probably fucking not. The drugs. <laughs> it was like that natural crystal deodorant or whatever. He ta- I mean, you can watch this. Time. He literally takes out like a fucking, like half of a Ziploc bag full of coke or crack or baby powder, whatever the fuck was in it. You <laughs> oh, know? powder. Okay. And it's just like, what the fuck? Corn start. Like, it's like, I want to find out what happened to that bag afterward, if it was Ah. the the legit shit. Well, back in the Carter days, (laughs) they'd have just snorted that shit up. So the drug, a seemingly bemused president remarked, looked, this is quote, looked like candy, but it's turning our cities into battle zones and it's murdering our children. Unquote. Oh my God. Fuck you. Rather than address the underlying poverty, despair, or just thrill-seeking that drives destructive drug use. Or just the fact that we're fucking humans sentiently aware that we're going to die one day. It's an existential crisis, people. That too. Bush sought to wipe out the drug menace by punishing everyone involved to the fullest extent of the law and doubling down on policing. The solution, Bush said, was, quote, more prisons, more jails, more federal police spending. Can I? Okay, more more spending. Mm-hmm. Let's dot 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 that. Let's ellipses that. That is so fiscally irresponsible. Mm-hmm. At best, yes. Like the the least offensive thing about that is how fiscally irresponsible that is from the party known for fiscal responsibility the, or purporting fiscal responsibility. Continue. The $1.5 billion increase in federal, dr- in federal drug police spending was the greatest single increase in the history of drug enforcement. Wow. Jackson, who was the 18-year-old who got arrested yeah. for selling some random dude uh-huh. a bag of whatever that right. wound up on national TV the uh-huh. next night, 
is probably still in jail. No. No? Thankfully not. Oh. So, he was a hapless pawn in Bush's theatrics. Yeah, he was just the patsy. When the DEA learned that Bush's people wanted to use crack seized near the White House as a prop for the speech, they lured the the local high school students to Lafayette Square, even giving him directions on how to get there because he wasn't sure where the White House was. Did they... That's fucking entrapment. Yeah. That's all sorts of shit. An obvious setup. The case was subsequently thrown out by uh. two juries. <laughs> but Jackson was eventually sentenced to a oh, mandatory... Oh, fucking hell. The word mandatory yeah. comes up a lot. Ten years for oh, selling geez. to an undercover agent in the months leading up to his fateful September arrest. But Even though he was set up from the word go. Two different juries said, this, this is, is bullshit. bullshit. And still, anyway. I'm sure someone on both juries said that exact phrase. This is bullshit. I hope that that was the, what the judge read off. Like, uh, uh, the verdict is... This is bullshit. This is bullshit. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> you are free to walk. That would be awesome. Bush was widely mocked for the political stunt, but remained unrepentant and paid little price. Uh, oh, that's have we heard that before. Right? <laughs> That's because the fundamental strategy of escalating the war on drugs enjoyed widespread bipartisan support, including significant buy-in from the black political class. Mm-hmm. Politicians from across the ideological spectrum were desperate to do something about the problem of urban crime, and Bush offered an appealing solution. Focus policing on public housing projects so that children wouldn't have to, quote, dodge bullets on the way home from school, there's, unquote. There's an interesting storyline in The Sopranos about this. Sure. Yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Focusing on the retail end of the war on drugs merely drew more and more people, predominantly people of color, into legal custody, but did little to stem the tide of drug use and drug trafficking. Basically, are you describing the entire plot of The Wire? Pretty much. Like. <laughs> which, I've, which I've never seen. I've watched the first season. I know. They say it's brilliant. It's a little hard I to just, hang in. It is. I guess I, I need I need to give it so, another try. It's so educational, it's so accurate, it's so good that it's like watching real life and then I, you just don't want it. I, I will say this. I was watching it um not too long before I went to Baltimore for a Bills mm-hmm. game. So in my mind Baltimore was all of like Baltimore a- <laughs> was the wire, but obviously I stayed in the very ritzy part of Baltimore. Sure, you were on the waterfront. I was whatever. on what is what is known as the uh, the Harbor District, uh-huh. which was very nice. <laughs> so you I know the, the was, rundown, sketchy <laughs> Harbor District. It was literally arts. not at all what I pictured in my yeah. mind. It was like, wow, this is nice and like really <laughs> cool. Like this is great. Like Baltimore is awesome. Except for on the way back to the airport, like seeing the outskirts of not awesome Baltimore. Well, that's pretty (laughs) much any place because um, people who need help are not given it. And therefore, anyway, let's continue. So now let's fast forward to the year 1993, shall we? Oh. On January 20th, 1993, Bill Clinton, Clinton. William Jefferson Clinton. Billy Bob became the 42nd president of the United States and pledged during his presidential campaign that he would advocate for treatment over incarceration regarding the war on drugs. Okay, this is also the the president who, the first president who openly admitted to illicit drug use. Elite, quote, illegal drug use. I'm not, I'm honestly not sure he was the first one. He was certainly the first of the modern era. Yes. You think somebody before him? 
George Washington grew hemp. Okay. Like, oh, all know. right. Yeah, I got. I got you. Okay. <laughs> so, fair enough. I mean, there was a time when literally. Yeah. Fair. I got gotcha, you. Yeah. I gotcha. Drugs were not illegal, so. I guess since it was demonized. Right. Yeah. Yes, he is the first one to come out yeah. and say that he didn't inhale. Because Reagan sure as fuck did. No. Although you know he was an actor in Hollywood. He that was. Fucker parted hard. I'm sure. He probably. Oh, but God. probably just with liquor. But who knows? Uh-uh. So. Everything's going to get better, right? Because Jesus. he wants treatment over incarceration. Yes. Wrong. Mm. Although Bill Clinton advocated for treatment instead of incarceration during his 1992 presidential campaign, after his few fir- first months, after f- his first, first few, few months, months in the White House, he reverted to the drug war strategies of his Republican predecessors by continuing to escalate the drug war. Wait, 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 wait. You mean to tell me a politician said one thing? And then did something else? That is unprecedented. This is the first time in history it happens. Well, see, that's what's wrong with America now. It all started with uh, (laughs) Billy Bob Clinton. Notoriously, Clinton rejected the U.S. Sentencing Commission recommendation to eliminate the disparity between crack and powder cocaine sentences. Oh. But that was nothing compared to the Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act of 1994, better known as the Crime Bill. Okay, yes, I've heard of that. It is the largest crime bill. Nice recovery. Thank you. It is the largest crime bill in the history of the United States and consisted of 356 pages that provided for 100,000 new police officers... $9.7 billion in funding for prisons, and $6.1 billion in funding for prevention programs. So, it's not quite 50-50, but... Okay, so we're less than 50-50 now for towards... uh, Oh, we're we're on full-on incarceration. Okay, all right. I I was not tracking the numbers, so I was not doing the mental math for that. Yeah, I don't give them for every administration, but you see where the the trend is going. Yes, 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 absolutely. Like, wanting people to recover, like, that's hard and takes effort. We can just put them in jail. Like, that's really easy. And profitable. Yeah. For the private person. Yeah. Industry. So, in fairness, I mean, really, in fairness, the crime bill of 1994... It had... Included some good policies... against women. Like the federal assault weapons ban. Mm -hmm. That being good on, depending on who you, depending on who you ask. Like sensible people. And the Violence Against Women Act. Yes, that was... Which is the reason Bernie Sanders voted for this bill. I know so, he's old. I know he's white. I know he's male. You and, can you and, can also see his. But please, just just consider E. Warren. Well, she's awesome too. Yeah. Just know all the issues. Know all the candidates. <laughs> no things. Vote always. You can also see his uh, reason why he's voting for it and not against it on YouTube. Yeah, he does. He does run it down, doesn't he? Yes, he does. So now for the bad. The Federal Death <laughs> Penalty, the Federal Death Penalty Act, created sixty six zero new death penalty offenses under oh forty one capital offenses. Wait, so <laughs> murder or violent rape or assault aren't the only possible? Uh, apparently, things there anymore? there are sixty new other things, which were already included in forty one. Anyway, well, treason. I know that that's one, that's although I by highly death. disagree. I Like, that shouldn't even be on the table, that that's a possibility to get executed for. Like, period, end of story. 
Or as they say on Love Island, period and of. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it also included the, <laughs> the elimination of Pell Grants for inmates. Oh, that's shit. Which, I mean... Okay, if you want somebody to taxpayers, and if you want somebody to rehabilitate, rehabilitate education. Wouldn't you think education would be like the easiest way to do it? But anyway, we're not we're not interested in that either. Ah. But anyway, uh, the inflation of boot camps for delinquent minors. What bullshit? And probably most famously, the three strikes provision, which gave a life life sentence to anyone convicted of at least one felony. And two other previous convictions. So, so you literally could have had felonious. No, you oh. could have had one felony and not even two. You could have one felony and like two convictions for running a red light. I'm guessing like maybe I stole five hundred bucks or something petty? like petty crime. But you can still go away for life. Alex, our listener, Alex, who is an attorney, might be able to enlighten us on that. Mm-hmm. Please do, Alex. We need help. Send help. Yes, we need all the help anybody can give us. All the help. So with the increase in law enforcement and the money for new prisons, the legacy of this law is one of mass incarceration. Yes. Law enforcement agencies increase the amount of quote-unquote low-hanging fruit, Ah. meaning nonviolent criminals, of which the large majority were simple drug possession or drug use arrests, to seek out so they could make the necessary arrest numbers for budgetary reasons. That also sort of harkens back to the first episode where you t- talked about strange fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Demetrius! Stop that. The Stop. effect was devastating. <laughs> At the beginning of Clinton's first term, there were roughly 850,000 inmates in America. Okay. By the end of Clinton's second term in 2001, that number would rise to 1.4 million. Wow. A month before leaving office... In an interview with Rolling Stone magazine, sorry, <laughs> that was cute. I, it was a different line. Anyway, <laughs> that was still cute. So a month before leaving office in an, in an interview with Rolling Stone magazine, Clinton would assert, quote, we really need a reexamination of our entire drug policy on imprisonment. And this is after he almost doubled the prison population or the prison population almost doubled under him. He also added that marijuana use should quote, unquote, be decriminalized. Huh. Well, why didn't you fucking do so, something about it, you asshole? Yeah, I mean, it's not as if you were in a position of power to do something about it. You were only the fucking oh president of the United States. You could have taken any drug you wanted to off of any schedule that you wanted to, but no, you were too busy showing your dick to interns. So fuck you, fuck your thoughts, fuck your wife. And fuck anything you've ever said. I cannot believe I, I ever... Backed him. I, really. I mean... So... He is a piece of shit. And and so were mo- all of his major policies were harmful to the vast majority of citizens. Uh, don't Ask, Don't Tell got started under Clinton. So, yeah. I kind of yeah. forgot about that. I was thinking more along the lines of NAFTA. That was... Okay. P- plenty of other stuff. But, yeah. Um... So, I am not a Hillary Clinton fan. Yes, I did vote for her because <laughs> look at the alternative. Um, but uh, I, I did too because only we were only because we were in a swing state. Yeah. state. But I like to think of Bill as Clinton the lesser. <laughs> as what? Clinton the lesser. Clinton the lesser? Clint, Catherine the Great. Oh. You okay. know, sir. Oh, yeah. Clinton that, the lesser. <laughs> 
<laughs> of course. Hillary <laughs> being Clinton the greater, but she's no great shakes either. Sure. They're just not the best. No, they're the Bushes much, and the Clintons just need to pretty much terrible just, people. Yes. Yeah. Please go away. Yeah. So now we are on to <laughs> George W. Bush. Baby Bush. Grandson of uh, Nazi Bush, Nazi influencer uh, Prescott Bush. Oh, that's right. Son of the 41st president, George H.W. Bush. Daddy Bush. Daddy and baby. So I'm not going to go into too much detail about W's No, I see a tiny presidency little pre- uh, paragraph. Regarding the war on drugs, because nothing really significant changed from okay. any other pre- president's previous poll. Okay. E- everything pretty much remained it's the same. status quo under GW. But... G Dubba. It's his new name. G W. G But like after 9-11 happened. Oh boy. People may or may not remember. A couple months later, the Super Bowl was played between the New England Patriots and the St. Louis Rams. Okay. Now this was before the New England Patriots were the New England Patriots. Right. This is early Brady days. This is Brady's second season. Okay. And his first Super Bowl. Did he win? He did. Oh, okay. And I was actually rooting for him. Well, early days. Because <laughs> it was the first time the AFC East was going to win a Super now Bowl in a long time. Away. Now I just want him to die. Not anyway, really. not that. I just yeah, I just want Ed Oliver to break his legs. He can go live in a happy life with Giselle in their eco-friendly house. And that's fine, as long as I never have to hear from him again or his fans. Anyway. Anyway. There was a commercial... <laughs> There was a commercial that ran. So after, uh, during the Super Bowl, during the after Super Bowl, 9/11. yes, after nine eleven, that basically made it seem as if you buy illegal drugs, that money is going to support terrorism. Oh, <laughs> everything was fucking. <laughs> you rip music, you're supporting terrorism. All it made me think know? of, just, all it made me think of, and I think I told this story like a couple of podcasts ago, was like the McDonald's guy that I went to go buy weed from one oh, time. Yes. You, t- you told us about that, yeah. So, so the guy that can't spell his own fucking name because he's too high is funding terrorists. Is the same guy that's funding terrorists. Get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. Go fuck like, yourself. Jesus Christ, how fucking stupid of a premise is that? Like, Well, it's GW. I mean, come on. Now, if you're at like the top of the no, illicit I, I drug trade, I, I just yeah, that probably that money probably is going to support, but not for me. My my money is going to support. I, I want some weed, and Stone guy that works at McDonald's can get it for me, and that's as far as it goes. Barack Obama's paragraph is bigger than GW's. A little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want me to move on, don't you? That's okay. Yeah, uh, let's talk about Irish President Barack Obama. <laughs> so, on to Barack Obama's yes. term. Now, I have many problems with the Obama presidency. Interesting. But overall, looking back, he at least made some oh. heavy emphasis on some positive progress at scaling back the war on drugs. He did an interview with a bunch of prisoners in 60 Minutes. He did. Yes, he was. He is the first president ever to visit a federal wow. correction facility, okay. I believe. Uh, his administration passed the Fair Sentencing Act, which reduced mandatory minimum prison sentences regarding crack slash cocaine use okay. from 100 to 1, meaning, so let's put it in simple math, if you get busted with powdered cocaine, mm-hmm. you're going away from a, for a month. Okay. If you get busted for crack cocaine, oh, you're going away for 100 I months. I gotcha. I gotcha. The ratio of mm-hmm. sentencing. I getcha. So... 
he minimized that from 100 to 1 to okay. 18 to 1. Oh, okay. I would have held out for an even punishment, seeing as how crack cocaine and powdered cocaine are literally the same Depending drug. Depending on when in his administration this was, he was dealing right. with a highly hostile Congress. But you got to take your wins where you can get them. Yeah. I guess. He made 82% progress. Yes, he did. Yes, you're right. Yes, I had to think about that for a second. Mental math. The Affordable Care Act included coverage of treatment for overdoses and also covered methadone as well as syringe access programs. Oh, okay. Clean clean needle sort Mm -hmm. of stuff? Okay, good. Marijuana would become legal for recreational use in several Mm -hmm. states under the Obama administration. And decriminalized in many as well. Yes. When Colorado and Washington became the first states to outright legalize marijuana in 2012... Obama and Attorney General Eric Holder gave a green light for state legalization, although the drug is still legal on a federal level. Illegal on a federal level. You literally just Did said I say it's legal? legal. Yes. <laughs> I, I, said Ill- I wrote illegal. Did you I said really? legal. Okay. Oh, maybe you said still legal. Still legal on a federal level. <laughs> Six states, Oregon, Alaska, yep. California, Maine, Massachusetts, and Nevada. That's right. I was just looking at our... Uh... Little key card to the Cosmo there. And Washington, D.C. would yes, fall right. suit in 2014. Well, <laughs> Washington, D.C. Is, is not a state. DC. <laughs> yes. Would fall oh, suit my God. in 2014 and 2016, yeah. respectively. Yeah. And now Illinois. Did you, did you yes, Illinois? I well, the first um, state to decriminalize cannabis at the legislative yes, level. They did not, not have a vote for a vote. They yeah. did not have a vote on it. No lawsuit. The state no legislators no were legislators, like, yeah. we need to do this. They're doing some interesting stuff there in Illinois. They ratified the ERA as well. Sorry, continue. <laughs> what is the ERA? Equal Rights Amendment. Oh, okay. What is that? Uh, that women have full protection oh. as equal citizens under the law. That thing. Well, I'm a white man, yeah. so I'm not concerned about no, that. He also granted clemency to 1,600 low-level... That's right, I remember that. ...nonviolent drug offenders, which was more than the last 11 administrations oh combined. I remember that. That was that was a big deal. So, for those of you who don't know, Barack Obama, when he was in college in the early 80s, was a part of the Choom Gang. Choom. Choom Gang. C-H-O-O-M. Chicago, CH for Chicago. I don't know. Okay. All it means is that he hung out with a lot of dudes in college that smoked a bunch of fucking weed all the fucking time. So in my eyes, so in my eyes, the least he could have done was was what was what he did. That was the least. Agreed. It could have gone. Agreed, but you can't. You can't pass law. You can do only so much through executive orders and such. If you don't have Congress behind you as a president, that's the whole point of checks and balances. So I'm not saying he even tried to do everything he could, but I don't know. I kind of like Obama still, I know. I'm sorry. That's okay. I really like Michelle. I used to, but. I really like Michelle. I think she's fantastic. And I am judging Obama strictly on a policy level. Fair enough. Yep. And his policies were also, for the most part, shit. But anyway. So now we are on to the legacy of the Mm -hmm. war on drugs. Oh. Go ahead. No, I'm just playing with it. That's okay. That sounded terrible. (laughs) Not what I meant. So. That's what I meant. The war on drugs has been an outright failure 
In the eyes of anyone who isn't a politician receiving bribes from illegal drug companies. Hell yeah. If or, just anyone looking at facts. Or is the CEO of a private prison. Because, oh, and that's... And I started to go into... And that's, that's another thing I took out. That's a rabbit hole. Private prisons began under the war on drugs. And are now big-ass business for some very rich So people. literally, uh, in the eyes of a private prison CEO, your customers... Are inmates. Yeah. That's well, who Yes. More like your employees, but like people that you re- Either way, treat really shittily. You're making money off both. Your your customer is actually the government, I would say. Anyway, I considered I always considered it to be like the actual people. Because you it, want the customer's always right. You want to please the customer. They're not trying to please the prisoners. <laughs> well, they're certainly not doing that either. But anyway. So, at the unofficial slash official starting point of the war on drugs in 1970, the United States incarcerated roughly 200,000 people. So, in 1970, we had 200,000 inmates. I thought it was 400,000, or is that at the That was a different, no, that was a different year and a different stat. So, 200,000. I'm remember that. Now, our population grew also. Do we know how many, what the ratio is, incarcerated to non-incarcerated individuals? I did not do that. But here's what I did do, because it's data that's very easily attainable mm-hmm. that's out there. So in 1970, we had 200,000 people on average incarcerated. Okay. That number skyrocketed to 1.6 million people at its peak in 2009. It is now down to roughly 1.5 million as of today. Oh, oh partly good. That is partly Jesus. due to uh, some of Obama's policies. Okay. So I'll get with him on that. Oh, you you mean it's not because of Trump? No, it's not. Oh. I, I don't even get in. I decided to skip that Thank because you. there's not. Well, there's not a whole lot there. There really isn't. He well, hasn't because he's basically done jack shit. I mean, from like a good standpoint. Well, he's done jack shit. Period. Except for pass a massive tax cut. And decrease the country's revenue significantly. Oh, and also um, not help people in uh, federally declared disaster areas and to um, federally detain a whole bunch of children and abuse them. So way to go. Sadly, that's kind of par for the course. But anyway, the United States has 5% of the world's population. Yet, has oh, okay. 20% of the world's population of people in prison. And that's including so, China. <laughs> yes. So imagine that. <coughs> of all the people in the world, Sorry. Americans <coughs> take up 5%. Yes. Of all the prisoners in the world, <coughs> mm-hmm. Americans take up 20%. Like, that's, that's <coughs> fucking crazy. Or 1 in 20 people in the world. And more one in five people in prison. Who are imprisoned, yeah. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, I, I just I don't know. To me, that statistic is just stunning. It's it's horrific. But not as stunning as this: the amount of money spent on the war on drugs across oh all federal keyword being federal. Yes, yes. This is not even including state or local. Yeah. Drug enforcement agencies since 1971 is an estimated one trillion dollars. That's trillion with a T. That's ten one hundred billion. And you said this is um, in drug enforcement. Federal. Federal drug enforcement. Want to pour your money down a rat hole? 
we did it with a trillion dollars. Yep. Like, the talk about fiscal responsibility. So again, that's just federal, not state funds. Yeah. I looked and looked and looked into this, but every state is obviously different. Here is the best thing that I could come up with. State governments spent roughly $7 billion a year beginning in 2015. Together, like combined? Yes. Okay. All state okay. governments combined okay. spent $7 billion okay. a year mm-hmm. starting in 2015. But again, I couldn't find a total amount. Yeah, that would be horribly difficult. Of how long state governments have spent or, or how much money state governments have spent since the beginning. Like it's, I gotcha. I, I just couldn't find that's, anything that's concrete. That's a hard uh, Google term to think up, you know? Uh, yeah, I, I tend to put those into Google a lot, because a lot of times I can't <laughs> seem to find what the fuck I'm looking for. <laughs> so now on to some fun facts that just really aren't that fun. So let's get into them, shall fun we? Facts, fun facts, mm, fun oh. facts. We should do, <laughs> we should do a little job of fun, fun facts, facts, fun facts. Slow clap. Uh, so, aw. every 25 seconds... Someone in America is arrested for drug possession. The, Jesus. The number of Americans arrested for possession has tripled since 1980, reaching 1.3 million arrests per year in 2015, <laughs> six times the number of arrests for drug sales. We're talking about possession over sales. Oh, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Well, like I'm saying, that's Why the... Why do you keep moving it back? I put it in the middle for both of us. Because I want to take a sip of it. I know, but you're going to keep it there. Probably. You, <laughs> you just were about were, to. Because I didn't realize what you did. Okay. So, again, getting back to the low-hanging fruit, mm-hmm. the possession, that's the easiest shit. It's so well, easy. It's just, A cop can literally just, just walk stupid. up to anybody. Basically. And say, you know, turn over your pockets. And most people, because they're only going to do that to people they know don't know any better. Yeah. And... Today, I, I went to a local restaurant to ta- get some takeout, and I was walking on the sidewalk behind these three dudes. Um, they were white, all had beards and man buns, and were dressed very hipsterish. And I was like, oh, they couldn't be more hipster if they tried. And then I, as I was like passing them on the sidewalk, I smelled a bunch of cologne, including patchouli. And then I realized, <laughs> yes, they could get more hipster than that. And they probably vape weed at home because that's hey, it's it's what the cool kids do. I yeah. feel like I feel like a cool kid now. Yeah, in case you were wondering what we were doing, <laughs> that made me cough. Black Americans are nearly six yeah. times more likely to be incarcerated for drug-related offenses than their white counterparts, despite equal substance usage rates. Yeah, almost eighty percent of people serving time for a federal drug offense are black or Latino. Yep. In state prisons, people of color make up 60% of those serving time for drug charges. Whatever is wrong, what, whatever individual thing or systemic issue we have in America, you're wondering like, oh, I wonder what the root of this is. Like, if you guess racism, you basically have a 99.9% pretty good, chance. It's a pretty good guess. Yes. When it, when it comes to our overall... Yes. Culture. I well, mean, it's horrific. It, and yeah. policy especially. Yes. But... But just, ugh, we. I know that term has gotten thrown out a lot lately, and a lot—not a lot of times, but in certain times, like it's not necessary calling somebody or something racist. But let's be let's face facts here. A, a lot of the underpinning our, of our society is totally revolved around white people rule, and this is how we're going to rule. This is how our country 
got the land we love to talk about our right to. So, yeah. But we should probably as See, he moved it back over there. As a couple of uh, white people who can speak it's, it's very in a, it's freely. It's in a Buffalo Bills koozie, so I figured so? you didn't want anything to do with oh, it. Oh, come on. I don't care. <laughs> so as a couple of white people who can sit here doing our podcast, because that's what white people do, um, and smoke openly on the air. I mean, it's because we're fucking privileged. We don't have to worry about that shit. Because... We're not of color. If we were of color, life would be a bit different. I'm also wary of the term privilege, but anyway, that's a different conversation. Yes, which we've discussed. Yes, and we, we have. understand that there's still some clarification required. Anyway. Yes. For my last fun, not so fun oh, fact. Boy. Marijuana legalization would save roughly $7.7 billion per year in averted enforcement costs and would yield an additional $6 billion in tax revenue. The net yes! total. Yes! Oh my God! Yes! The net Jesus total. Christ. Thirteen point seven billion dollars could send more than six hundred fifty thousand dollars, six hundred fifty thousand students, not dollars, to public universities yeah. every year. Yeah, you you know how uh, how people are like, well, how are we gonna pay for student loan forgiveness or universal health care or free college? <laughs> Like, I don't think people quite always understand how wasteful our government budget is due to highly misguided priorities. I am getting off my soapbox. Continue. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, that's a that's a big thing to point out to people is money allocated is just that. Like, you can change. Yes. And, or where, or where not that, and shut down the government for a while. Uh, right. Because that's happened too. Yes. It's happened twice under our current president. In all fairness, it has happened multiple times under multiple presidents. But it yes, has. you're correct. So, remember earlier... Two fiscal years, two shutdowns. That's not a good one. No, that's not very good. So, remember earlier I mentioned how I would get back to Richard Nixon. Yes, and I see by the magic of radio editing... Well, we're not on the radio. Podcast <laughs> editing. Because <laughs> um, I was born in 1912... Uh, you have uh, the exact thing you were looking for earlier. Well, the thing I found. The thing I forgot to re-include <coughs> into because I literally, right. I'm not even kidding. I spent about seven hours on this today. I can attest to that. So, you worked very hard. So by the end of it, I was just ready to get it done, and I forgot to include this part now, back into the research. But when I read the certain paragraph, I was like, "Oh shit!" I remember. Now, we won't get into how one should plan ahead and do their research over multiple days instead of cramming it all no, in one because that's a waste of time. Gotcha. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> As you were. So, getting back to Richard Nixon. Nixon. <laughs> getting back to Richard Nixon. <laughs> Rich- Richard Nixon. Tricky Dicky Nixon. Tricky Dicky Nixon. <laughs> Tricky Dicky Nixon. Whoever. Oh, my God. Getting back to that guy, Richard Nixon. (laughs) Very good. That was correct to my recollection. So in case anybody out there is still wondering if the war on drugs is rooted in racism, Mm. xenophobia, bigotry, if anybody out there, and I know there are people, who are still defending the war on drugs. It's okay. They've already stopped listening and given us a one-star review. That's true. And know that they're racist because they live in the South, which was also a one-star review we got. <laughs> we did. Along with Cleveland, apparently right, someone Cleveland, thought we really hated Cleveland. Cleveland hates us, too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But I do not hate you, Cleveland. I, I love you, and I want you to do better. But anyway. <laughs> Hashtag Cleveland do better. Yes. Anyway, so if you're if you're still wondering if the yes. war on drugs yes. is a legitimate thing, right? I give you one of Richard Nixon's top advisors. Is it is it Don or no no that was Ronald Reagan? Never mind. No, <laughs> the guy with the same name as him. Never mind. No. Oh, I know uh, Don Reagan. Yes, Don Reagan. It's Don Reagan. Reagan. <laughs> they spell it the same. No, this would be. Um, Oh, uh, former policy, former domestic policy chief under Richard Nixon, John Ehrlichman. Oh, I have not heard of Mr. Ehrlichman. This was in an interview given in 1994 in Harper's Magazine. Okay, so this was like a retrospective. This is 1994. This is when the guy admits that this is complete bullshit and we're still doing this. Okay. Uh huh. Quote. The Nixon campaign in 1968 and the Nixon White House after that had two enemies, the anti-war left and black people. Oh, my God. You understand what I'm saying. That you're a fucking racist? Yeah. We knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black. But by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities. Wow. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. End quote. From a fucking guy who was in the forefront of the beginning of the war on drugs, admitting 25 years ago that the whole thing is complete, utter bullshit well and is meant to target certain citizens so this is why like this episode you really had me going on okay maybe this does count as a disaster and not a crime that undid all of that i think this is all we just turned into a true crime show for a couple of weeks that's okay i think it's also a fucking disaster i i agree i agree and many things are we've just said we will either way well these are very special drugs episodes these are very trying times (laughs) no these are very special episodes you know like saved by the bell i'm so excited i'm so scared so that my friends is our bullshit racist completely unnecessary war on drugs that we've just on a federal level sunk a trillion dollars into like Think of all the things we could have had with just that trillion dollars. Not to mention the seven trillion dollars we've spent on the war in Iraq and the two trillion that we've spent on the war in Afghanistan. So add all so that's ten trillion dollars that have literally been pissed away for nothing. Think of all yeah. think of all the fun things we could have had. Not like even. universal health care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And maybe like a, maybe a new version of a transcontinental railroad with light rail all over the place. Like th- infrastructure, you know, highways that don't crumble. Yeah, like like fun shit like that. A health like, crisis like AIDS that could have been properly responded yeah, to. Yeah. Like wouldn't all those things be cool but no, we had to spend all that money on fucking absolute bullshit. I think that's a good place to end it. I think so, too, because I will go into a... I know. ...a much more angry rant if I go any further. Me, too. I, I think I have thought of the perfect uh, sign-off. Oh, okay. Okay. 
So that was The War on Drugs, part two. What are we going to call this part? Uh, I would say from Nixon to Obama. Nixon to Obama. Okay. All right. I accept that. So this was The War on Drugs, part two. Nixon to Obama. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm Rachel. And I'm David. We'll see you next week. Cheers. No, we're not doing that.